to be with us in a very manifest way. That you would touch each person in the way that they specifically need to be touched. we are waiting to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do, I, I get to tell you a story. And it's a continuation of something that began last week. And if you were here, you might recall that <coughs> excuse me, during this time, I asked that uh, we all pray for a young couple who was undergoing a very difficult time. And uh, I have permission to give you an update. Uh, what had happened, and just the, uh, kind of the rest of the story, as it were, was that uh, on Saturday night, the wife of this couple, was, well, let me back up. So one week prior, they had found out they were expecting a baby. And so, of course, they were very happy. And then just a week later, the wife was experiencing some real stomach distress extreme, I think. And so they went to the hospital and got checked out and were told uh, that they could not detect a heartbeat. And of course they were devastated. And uh, that's why we prayed on Sunday. Monday night, I got a text from the husband said that they had been to the OBGYN on that Monday and that there was a heartbeat. Now what's, what's kind of interesting is that well, I mean, there's not a definite time, but a heart, the, an infant's heart at that age can start really up until like what, eight weeks? Something like that. And so the fact that it actually started during that period after we prayed, I think is, I don't think that's a coincidence. The other cool thing that I'll share is that you know these people, Nick and Virginia. And so if you didn't know, they are going to be parents. <clears throat> and Andre and Cindy are going to be grandparents. So um, we believe in the power of testimony, right? And how powerful that can be because it builds faith. It really builds faith. As we hear about what God has done, it encourages us to believe that God could do a miracle for us too, no matter how large or how small that could be. So right now, if there is anything at all <clears throat> that you need prayer for, I invite you to come uh, to come up and to receive prayer for that. If you've got a, you feel like God is speaking a word to you, um, see if there's if, if He won't show you who that word is intended for. During this time, just go up and, and say, and, you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot. We're not a thus saith the Lord kind of church. We are a, I believe God is 
saying this, but it's up to you to sort of process that and to go before the Lord and say, is this, is this really from you? So we'll just take a few minutes and see what God wants to do and then we'll move on.
Hallelujah. Let's focus back in on the Lord for a moment. Since somebody struggling with a spirit of fear, you didn't used to necessarily be fearful, but now you are very fearful about things that aren't necessarily something to be fearful about. The Lord wants to deal with that today. is good. Aren't there some awesome testimonies? Amen. Give God praise. A lot of people go to churches where they only read about miracles. It's great to go to one where we get to see them. I'm going to preach what I was supposed to preach last week. Well, I preached what I was supposed to preach last week, but I'm going to preach the original thing because we are in our series, Fake Truth. Isn't that fun? Um, (laughs) Today we're going to talk about the truth you need, the fake truth. You need to live your truth. You need to live. How many people have heard that saying before? You need to live your truth. Have you ever asked the question, who am I? Who am I? Books have been written on it. Papers have been published on it. Philosophers have, have, have just tried to, to give us meaning behind it. Theologians. And yet it's a question that all of humanity seems to constantly grapple with. So who are you? I mean, really, at the, at the core of your being, at the core of your life, at the core of who you are, who are you? And the reason that this fake truth, which sounds like a good thing on the surface, you need to live your truth, why do you want to argue with that? That would sound like you're kind of a jerk if you're telling someone not to do that. But, at the, but this is dangerous because, you see, when the devil creates a lie that sounds like a truth, he does it in a way that is going to be the most effective. So if a core question in our being is, who am I? The devil will construct things in order to appeal to that, in order to lock us down. We, we, gather, we gather all of these things throughout our lives and we add them to ourselves and that's how we come up with our truth 
And society has now gone into this, this downward spiral, as I like to call it, where we're teaching people to live their truth. The problem is, where does their truth come from? Where does your truth come from? Does your truth come from politicians? Does your truth come from news organizations? And I know, the fr- I know you, I know as a Christian you want to jump up before I'm even finished. My truth comes from Jesus, preacher. <laughs> Relax. Let me walk through your house and open the closets. We'll find some stuff. I promise. Does your truth come from your parents? The problem with the you need to live your truth is this. It's that the culture and the society that we're living in, and I believe the enemy has, has engineered it so perfectly to destroy us, is it teaches us to frame our truth and frame our identity and frame who we are and who we believe we are around our feelings. And what's the problem with that? Well, Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful (laughs) above all things and beyond cure. It's hopeful, isn't it? Who can understand it? So if we're taught to live our truth, I want you to notice the word. I want you to read it. Say, you need to live your truth. Say it. You need to live your truth. You need to live. How do you know your truth is the right truth? Well, I feel it. Well, your heart's deceitful. Above all things. But when the enemy engineers a culture that perpetuates to live a truth just because you feel it, then what you're really living, you think it's a truth, but it's actually a lie. Is there any greater deception than to live a lie believing it's the truth? If I was the devil, I'd set it up like that. I'm walking through my life miserable. I'm living my truth. I'm being myself. So I started to think about that. And I started to think about culture and how it perpetuates these lies. And I started to think about how do we get to the place where where this entraps us, where this destroys us, where this starts to really really just put us in a bondage. And I realized there's kind of three traps, four if you count the first one I just kind of named, which is your heart is deceitful. There's three traps we have to be very cautious of in society today. Because when we start living our truth and not God's truth, it will end in a bad way. Maybe not right now. It might be fun for a little while. So I just want to outline these traps for you. Y'all ready? Trap one. And I'm sure you will see. And 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 you're going to be quick as a Christian, because I was, to get on a high horse and go, I see that on the news. I see so many people doing, I don't know why Christians talk like that in my mind. (laughs) In my mind, there's like the old angry church person who's judgmental. That's how they talk. I don't know. You're going to be quick to identify it, and you're going to be quick to assign labels, and you're going to be quick to think it's other people. But I want you to consider how it may be an effect in your life in a different way. Trap one, 
Do what seems right to you. That's advice you hear a lot. I just don't know what to do. Honey, just do what seems right. Aw, thanks, Grandma. I don't know. <laughs> do what seems right to you. What is your decision when we what is your decision making mechanism? Just do what seems right. Well, that's a problem, and I'll tell you why. Proverbs 14, 12. <laughs> I love the Bible. Does anybody else love the Bible? Because it's just like, this is, never mind. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Do what seems right to you. What's wrong with that? Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way which seems right to a person, but it ends in the way of death. So that's the problem. When we do what seems right to us because our heart is deceitful, we could very well make a mistake. If we do what seems right to us, most likely we are going to mess that all up because we are corrupted beings. We have, or have a fallen sin nature. We have a natural selfish nature. We are naturally going to gravitate to what feels good, what serves us, what puts us ahead, what puts us on top. Well, if that's not, well, that's not my nature. If that's not your nature, you must be Jesus Christ. And you should be preaching, and I should set this down and go to lunch. Because I got nothing to say. Our natural nature is a sin nature. It's to advance our own kingdom. What always will seem right is self-preservation. Now, if you walk with the Lord Jesus for years and years, yes, you can beat that. That's called sanctification. Yes, you can get through that. Yes, you can develop a character that isn't like that. However, doing what seems right to you with a corrupted sin nature and not keeping that in mind usually leads to more sin, usually leads to more bondage, usually leads to, I think I'm living my truth, but I'm still miserable. Don't you like how me and Pastor Jeff preach exactly the same way? <laughs> I feel like he's smart and measured, and I'm like, ah! Don't worry, he'll be back. Amen. Also, do what seems right. God makes better choices than you. Can we all agree? I've made some pretty awful choices. I have people in this room who can attest. Consult the Lord. If we do what seems right to us all the time and we don't ask God, we are going to eventually have to ask him to get us out of something. Lord, help. have you ever had to do that? Pray, I got myself into this prayer. Have you ever gotten yourself into something then you have to pray the bargain prayer? Which isn't even a thing, but for some reason we feel like it is. Lord, I'll never do it again. Lord, I will never do it again again some of y'all may not have done that I don't know I have you know when you've gone out and you've partied a little too hard and you're throwing up I'll never drink again <laughs> next week you're out doing it again what's wrong with you God makes better choices if we consulted him first instead of, instead of doing what seems right to us we would save ourselves a lot of heartache we would save our loved ones a lot of heartache we also shouldn't do things that just seem right to us because we tend to appraise things in the natural and not in the spiritual. 
You see, things in the natural may seem right that aren't right. For example, it might seem right to, okay, let me, just, can, I, can I step on toes? Is that all right? Okay, good. <laughs> Here we go. In the natural, premarital sex is fine. It's cool. Do it as much as you want. What's the issue? Because in the spiritual, you're creating an issue. And the natural, cussing that person out feels great because they made you angry. But in the spiritual, you're feeding into the enemy's kingdom. Trap number two. I'm sure you've heard this. Just do you. Just do you, boo. Just do you. I'm just, do, or somebody said, I'm just doing me. You know, nobody ever says it when they're doing something positive, by the way. You never see somebody feeding the homeless. I'm just doing me. <laughs> they're always doing crack or something. It's never, they're never out like at the Salvation Army or helping somebody. There's never a just do you. That's a good thing. I've never seen it. If you have, send me a link. It's, it's never used for something good. You never heard Mother Teresa helping a leopard. Just do you. Anyway. Why is just, this one is kind of dangerous, almost more than the first one, because it's almost got an antichrist spirit behind it. And I don't mean the antichrist. What I mean by that is this. It says this in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, that's all of us, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus teaches the very opposite of just do you. I've done me my whole life, and it hasn't really worked out. Jesus teaches, I'm going to get my water. Jesus teaches, don't do you. Don't just do what you think is right. Deny yourself. When was the last time you denied yourself? We pray and we ask God for his spirit. And we ask God to use us. And we ask God to send us. And we ask God to bless us. And we won't even deny ourselves a soda to fast. We, I can't deny myself a ham sandwich for a week to ask for spiritual breakthrough that I'm going to be mad at God. I won't deny myself those websites I shouldn't be on. I won't deny myself those things that I know I shouldn't be doing. And then I want to know what's going on in my spiritual life. I want to know where the breakthrough is. Every time the breakthrough comes, you put up another wall because you're doing you. When we follow Christ... We put to death our preferences, 
our prejudices, and every little thing that we th make, makes us so special and unique. I'm not saying there isn't some uniqueness to us. I'm not saying God doesn't want your personality to come out. God made us all different. There's many parts to the body. But until your character is aligned with Jesus and your mind is aligned with Jesus and you start to use all of that uniqueness with the, with the fruit of the Spirit, then you're not really walking with him. We have a Christianity today in America where we don't deny ourselves. See, we get up in arms when we're told we can't meet for church or if the air conditioner's broken or if, if the, you know, if the, if the microphone, we can't hear, the mics don't work. Do you know in China they're meeting in secret underground, memorizing pages of the Bible? And we can't even read ours if our iPad dies. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to point out a fact. Do you know in Africa, there's churches that have no floors, no chairs, no sound system, that have millions of people, millions, because they're not doing them. They're not thinking about themselves. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me read that again. I, everybody say I. I have been crucified with Christ. Say this. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The call of Christianity is not get a new car, is not, sorry, Daryl. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah, you, you sold the business. I'm sorry. Yeah. The call to Christianity is not bigger house, bigger bank account. All that is a blessing. I'm not saying it won't do it. The call to Christianity is come and die. Come and die. I don't want to live anymore. I'm not suicidal. <laughs> but I don't need this life. It says everything in me has to die to become everything he is. Everything about my mission and my purpose has to die to become what his mission and purpose is. <laughs> and sometimes in all the life of the apostles, the call is literally come and die. Like I said, we get up in arms and talk about defending our religious freedoms and all of this and all of that. But then we can't come to church when it rains. Because is it more about defending our rights or our commitment to Christ? Because the Constitution means nothing to me without the Bible. I don't serve that, I serve him. I love this country, but if this country turned from Jesus, I'd stay with Jesus. 
Would you? You see what I'm saying? If they start persecuting and killing Christians, where will you stand? And why would you stand? Sometimes the why is important. Because you can actually die defending Christianity, but you're really defending it because you wanted to defend your right to do it, not because your commitment to Christ. When, <laughs> sorry. When we live like Jesus, when we go and we die, we don't have the option to just do me, to just do you. We have to be him. Because Jesus said, you will do greater things. That's why we're not always seeing the greater things. Because we are to know Christ in his suffering and his resurrection. You can't have resurrection power without having death. Trap number three. Now, this one is what I call the, <laughs> well, the, the cultural flag, so to speak. That this is in everything. It is happening now. It's happening in America. It's happening all over the world. But it's happening in a lot of our hearts already. Embracing sin as good and truth as offensive. You see, when the devil wants people to live their truth, and their truth is actually deception of their own feelings, he, the best thing he can do is turn the real truth, the word of God, into something that is hate and offensive. Because it isn't. I'm going to read it again. Embracing sin as good and truth as offensive. Isaiah 5, 20 through 21 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. What do you do when the word of God becomes offensive? Guess what? Sin has always been sin. Homosexuality is still sin. Like I said, premarital sex is still sin. Stealing is still sin. Adultery is still sin. But what the church has done is we've managed to isolate those people because we want to be like, it's sin, preach it, brother, tell them they're going to burn. And that was never Jesus. This place should be the most welcoming place for sinners on the planet Earth. It should never be. I don't care if it that grosses me out. Get over it. Jesus leaned down to the woman with the, who was caught in the act of adultery when they wanted to stone her. She was probably naked. She was caught in the act. Didn't say she let her put her makeup on and fix her hair. Throw her house coat on. They dragged the woman out of the bed naked and threw her in the dirt. Humiliated. A group of men standing around her, ready to kill her. Imagine the insults they threw at her. This was the church. So what do they do? They do what we do. How many times do you hear Christians looking to Jesus, asking him to stone a sinner still? We still do it. Well, Jesus, the law says... And what did he say? 
I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Because there's something about a transaction of love. And the only way the church can combat it, when people start saying sin is good, and the Bible and the truth is bad, is by taking that truth and preaching that truth and showing a radical compassion and love for people and treating every person with the dignity that we would treat anybody else with because that's what Jesus would do. Well, Chip, I don't think I could fall into trap number three. Embracing sin is good and truth is offensive. I beg to differ. Because, see, it's the same trick as Satan used in the Garden of Eden. He might have worded it a little different. It just sounds like this. Did God really say? Which also sounds like this. Well, yeah, I know it says that in English, but if you read the, tri- the Greek translation. Well, if you go back to the original manuscripts. Yeah, but the Bible was written in like eight different languages and it was in a world. You know, you've heard, have you ever heard somebody try to explain the Bible to you? ever notice somebody that doesn't like Jesus knows more about somehow how the Bible was translated than anybody else? Did you, are you a professor? But you, or we go, well, you know, I don't think this one time is so bad. I don't think this. Well, this person did this to me. Well, my wife doesn't. She doesn't do it for me anymore. She don't love me no more. It won't matter if I step out once. Nobody knows. It's not hurting anybody. And we start slowly making compromises. Did God really say? And what do we do? We become the judge. We start deciding what's right and wrong. We start thinking we have the knowledge of good and evil. So has your identity been stolen this morning? Because you've been living your truth. Living out of your feelings. Living out of your preferences. Maybe you've been living in a way that's just pleasing to yourself. Doing whatever seems right. Just doing you. Justifying your sin. And it works for a while. But it is a miserable way to live. So Chip, what is God's truth? Well, John 8.32 says this. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And then Jesus says this in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Kyle, will you come up? The truth, truth is a person. And his name is Jesus. What you're looking for to become you, the truth you need to live, is emulated in the life of Christ. Is emulated in the Bible. It doesn't come from your feelings. It doesn't come from your politics. It doesn't come from your political affiliations. It doesn't come from living in an echo chamber where we find other things that validate the truth we believe. 
Truth is a person, and you need to have an encounter with him. Because when you do, it's going to wreck you. And it's going to wreck all these little preconceived notions you have about who you think you are. Because guess what? I didn't know me until I met him. I didn't know me until I met him. I thought I did. And you probably think you do too. But there's some gifts and there's some talents and there's some purpose and there's some callings and there's some people that you're going to reach and there's some countries you might go to and there's some things you're going to do and there's some personality traits you think you can't shake that are going to fall right off when you meet him. That depression you've had your whole life, that anger, that, that's just the way I am. <laughs> Doesn't stand a chance. Because who you think you are may not be who you are this morning. Stand with me. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff's going to come to communion. as he does, as I, I'm going to pray, and then as we're doing communion, I want you to realize that you're communing with that truth. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, I implore you right now to make the decision to accept him. All you have to do is say, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. decision today, let us know. We'll pray for you. We'll walk through life with you. We don't care what sin you've carried into this place. There's nothing you're going to tell us that's going to shock us or make us turn our back on you. But if you're saying, Chip, I've fallen prey to some of that and I've not been living my truth, my real truth, which is him, I need an encounter with the truth that truth that is a person would you just lift your hands because I'm going to pray you have that encounter right now just lift your hands to receive Holy Spirit come Jesus would you walk into this room right now and begin to introduce every person who is searching Introduce them to you. Introduce them to who they are. Introduce them to who you have called them to be. Spirit of truth, come. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break off every lie that has been spoken over these people. I break off every curse. I break off every thought that is counter to what you have called them to be and who you have called them to be. I command the voice of the enemy to be silent in their lives.
every lie I command to be loosed off of them right now. And Lord, fill them. Fill them, 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 fill them with your truth. We're coming to die this morning and to become who you've had us to be. So Lord, in these next few moments as we commune with you in the act of communion, just continue to be present with us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to his Father in heaven and then he broke it. And he gave it to those disciples that were seated at the table with him and, and he said, take this all of you and eat for this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And then later on in the meal, broke with Jewish tradition yet again, and he took a cup and he asked his father to bless it. And this too he shared with his disciples. And he said, take this all of you and drink, for this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. So Lord, we come before you right now remembering you. Remembering what you did for us so that we in turn could have the freedom to die to ourself and follow you. You made that possible. And so now as we take this simple meal of bread and juice, we do so in the remembrance of the great sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Lord God, I ask you to bless these elements that each person holds now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you would make them to be for us your body and your blood. The body of Jesus given for you. 
blood of Jesus shed for you. Father, we thank you for the spiritual nourishment that this provides us. But more importantly, the opportunity to take just one moment in a busy week to remember that which was done for us. The reason that we all call ourselves followers of you. So, Father, I, I pray a blessing now upon all those who are gathered here. As I did a week or so ago, I pray that you would set each person here up with that one encounter that they're supposed to have this week. Just that one person that needs to receive a touch from you, to receive some blessing that this person can offer. Father, I pray as well that we would all be sensitive to that, that we would not ignore those subtle hints and nudges and thoughts that sort of seem to come from nowhere, and yet are you talking to us. Help us to respond in faith so that we might bless that one person that you have put in front of us in that moment. Give you thanks and praise, Father. And we ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless all of you. Have a wonderful week and hope to see you next week. <laughs>